If I were to say to you, come to be saved so you can go to heaven. Come to the cross so that you can have joy and victory. Come to the fullness of the Spirit so that you can be satisfied. I'd be falling into the trap of humanism. I'm going to say to you, dear friend, if you're out here without Christ, you come to Jesus Christ and serve him as long as you live, whether you go to hell at the end of the way, because he's worthy. I say to you, Christian friend, you come to the cross and join him in union and death and enter into all the meaning of death to hell in order that he can have glory. I say to you, dear Christian, if you do not know the fullness of the Holy Ghost, come and present your body a living sacrifice and let him fill you so that he can have the purpose for his coming fulfilled in you and get glory through your life. It's not what you're going to get out of God. It's what he is going to get out of you. Let's be done once and for all with utilitarian Christianity that makes God a means instead of the glorious end that he is. And let's come and cast ourselves at the feet of the nail-pierced Son of God and tell him that we're going to obey him and love him and serve him as long as we live because he is worthy. Two young Moravians heard of an island in the West Indies where an atheist British owner had 2,000 to 3,000 slaves. And the owner had said, no preacher, no clergyman will ever stay on this island. If he's shipwrecked, we'll keep him in a separate house until he has to leave. But he's never going to talk to any of us about God. I'm through with all that nonsense. 3,000 slaves from the jungles of Africa bought to an island in the, Medi in the Atlantic and there to live and die without hearing of Christ. Two young Moravians heard about it. They sold themselves to the British planter and used the money they received from the sale for he paid no more than he would for any slave to pay their passage out to his island for he wouldn't even transport them. And as the ship left the... River at Hamburg left its pier in the river at Hamburg and was going out into the North Sea carried with the tide. The Moravians had come from Hernhut to see these two lads off in the early twenties, never to return again, for this wasn't a four-year term. They'd sold themselves into lifetime slavery, simply that as slaves they could be as Christians, where these others were. The families were there weeping, for they knew they'd never see them again. And they wondered why they were going and questioned the wisdom of it. And as the gap widened and the houses had been cast off and were being curled up there on the pier, and the young boys saw the widening gap, one lad with his arm linked through the arm of his fellow raised his hand and shouted across the gap the last words that were heard from them. There were these. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And this became the core of Moravian missions. And this is the only reason for being that the lamb that was slain may receive the reward of his suffering. Kingdoms of 
strong now she can We trust forever in your name In the name of Jesus
for at least we know of two ladies. And this morning, that's kind of what I want to share. What's going on with two ladies? And now, for you guys, because you're here this morning, this is why I want to share this, is because, because you're here this morning, I'm assuming you already know Jesus. Because if you don't know Jesus, and somebody brought you to this service, you just don't, you don't have a friend anymore. <laughs> I'm assuming the reason why we're here is because we know the story. The reason we're here this morning is because we believe in that story, that account. This isn't just tradition. See, there's these two ladies named Martha and Mary. And one of the first accounts that we see these two ladies is, is, is in this, in, 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 Matt, in Luke, I think, in Luke, this, this is what it says. It says, now that they went, uh, went on the way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now here's what you want to know, there's also a brother. And the brother's name is Lazarus. And if you know anything or went to church two weeks ago, or a week ago, you know what I'm talking, you know who this family is. Okay? We enter Mary and Martha. It says this though, uh, but the sister Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to uh, the Lord or Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. I don't know how Jesus sounds, but it just sounds like he'd like be like sincere, right? Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And at that moment, Martha probably didn't like Jesus. <laughs> Let's just be real. We don't like to be reprimanded. We don't like that stuff. Matter of fact, in our churches today, I think that one of the biggest problems in our churches today is we're so afraid to offend people that we actually just let them go on their way. And it's like a blind man running towards a cliff. And if there's a blind man running towards the cliff, and I played this clip at church a while ago, and I just it sticks in my mind because literally, if a blind man is walking towards a cliff, your job is to what? Warn them, stop them. Hey, bro, you ain't gonna let me in, right? Like, stop. But so many times we see that happening, and it might not be as dramatic as somebody like running off of a cliff or somebody standing in the middle of a street with a truck flying down at them, because at that moment you're like, I need to yell stop, I need to get them out of the way. But here's the problem, the problem is when we see people going down a path they shouldn't go down, and we don't say anything. And Martha is here, and when she hears this, she gained a different perspective. See, her whole life she was told that she has to, she has to work and she has to, she has to do the things for when the people come in. It's not just a servant's heart that she has. It was literally tradition. I'm supposed to do these things for you. And all of a sudden her sister notices Jesus and, and she says, you know what? I'm going to take tradition. I'm throwing it away and I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to listen to him. Well, the next instance that we hear, uh, I didn't even put it on the, on the board, but or, uh, on, the, on the screen, but the next instance that, that we see 
see um, coming through is, is Mary and Martha meet Jesus again, but this time it's because their brother had died. And once again, the world keeps moving. Jesus didn't actually show up uh, to save the brother. No, no, no. He died and was put into a grave, and then Jesus shows up a couple days later, and the first person that runs up to Jesus is Martha, and she looks at him and says, if you were here, if you were here, you could have saved she was still battling traditions. Because Jesus looked at her and says, your brother will rise again. And, and, and she like, looks at her and says, you're right, in the last days, he will rise. And he's like, you don't get it yet. And then all of a sudden, she goes back and she gets her sister Mary. And Mary comes running up again. And as Mary comes running up, she falls at his feet. The first thing she does is fall at his feet. And she says, if you were here, you could have stopped. Same exact phrase that Martha used. They said this time her posture is at his feet. Did that make sense? Sorry, I can't see. I was making sure you're with me. <laughs> yeah? Yes. She's at his feet and says, if you were here, you could have saved her. And he goes, hey, your brother's going to rise again. She goes, okay. He goes, take me to the tomb. She says, let's go. Now, she doesn't yet know what's going to happen. But he calls Lazarus out of the grave. And they rejoice. And then the next scene uh, that we see, um, I, I think this one I have up there. Let me see. Ooh, next one. Six days before Passover, Jesus, uh, uh, therefore, came to Bethany, or Lazarus, um, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served. Of course Martha served. Right? Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment from pure nard, and they, in other things you'll find it says spike nard, um, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. This woman is insane. That is crazy. By all instincts, this is nonsense. There were simply good napkins sitting over on the side. <laughs> this is weird. A couple things in this statement, by the way, that we actually don't recognize from a Jewish uh, standpoint. You never, as a woman, put your hair down in front of a man. You always had your hair up or your head covered. And in this case, for her to pull out this anointment, or ointment, that's it. <laughs> Early morning. Um, yeah, I know, right? Come on, come on, push through. Um, this ointment throws it out for number one, that's super expensive, but for her to let her hair down, that's huge. See, Martha would never have done that. Martha would have never let her hair down because this, once again, the tradition. So you have Mary at the feet of Jesus again, breaking this. Now, by the way, if you haven't caught it yet, where is Mary every time she meets Jesus? At his feet. Always at his feet. Always at his feet. Matter of fact, even on the cross, um, she's down by his feet once again. And where is Martha? Serving. Constantly. <coughs> Serving. Then the next thing happens. Jesus goes to the cross. And he's crucified. Now because it's Passover, the tradition was you weren't allowed to have anybody hanging on a cross. There was not supposed to be a stain of death. And so literally three days ago, 
They had to pull him off the cross. And they put him in a tomb, but he, he wasn't properly buried. I mean, yes, he was wrapped, but the anointment and, and, and uh, the ointment the and all that stuff wasn't yet on him. And, and Mary and the ladies wanted to make sure that they got to do that, but they had to go through Passover first. And it was probably the longest three days. Think about it. The person that you followed for three years, intimate conversations, they knew your life, you knew their life. And all of a sudden, in a heartbeat, they're gone. And not just gone, not like, it, it, not just like, oh, I knew that he was going to die. No, no, in a tragic way, in a most unfair way, you'd be screaming at the top of your lungs, this is unfair. Some of you might actually start a march and a protest and tell kids to leave school and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's that serious. Does that make sense? Like, it's one of those things, like, this is, this is wrong. But they didn't do that. They just sat silent. And darkness came. And that's where we find Mary on this morning. In darkness. With a candle, a flame, walking towards the grave of the man that she sat by his feet, laid by his feet. Now I'm just going to give you kind of the account of what happened. Uh, uh, I'm going to read it from the screen, um, but I actually took and I compiled. So if you're going to try to find this in the scripture, um, you'll, you'll probably go, where did he get that? I took all three of the, 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 the accounts, or the four accounts, and I mixed them together so that you can kind of get a timeline of what happened. Did that make sense? Because it's kind of broken up in the scriptures, but this is kind of the best way that we can see this happening. And I want to read this to you as the sun starts to rise. It says this. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now here's what you've got to recognize on this. One, Mary's going to the tomb. Her flame in hand, got her ointment with her. She's walking towards the tomb. And this is what was supposed to be seen. What was supposed to be seen was Roman soldiers guarding the tomb. The stone rolled over and soldiers standing by its side. And she was already prepared. Like, you got to get this. You ever had, like, one of those, like, you have to go talk to somebody? Like, and, and it's, like, going to be a, a hard conversation, so you practice in your head over and over again? Like, what you're going to say, and you're just hoping it goes the way that you practice in your head. She has to talk to the Roman soldiers to say, can you please unlock the door? So I can go and anoint. Now she doesn't know if she's going to be able to do it or not. Because these Roman soldiers were told, nobody's allowed in. Now they didn't have to say nobody's allowed out. That was their first mistake. Okay? <laughs> so not out there, okay? But nobody's allowed in. Okay? Nobody's allowed in. And so they were standing guard. And so she's probably walking... You know, in the darkness, she, she's sitting there, she's like, what am I going to say to the Romans? I mean, they have to let it, they have to let me see him. They just have to. So she's getting herself all worked up. And as she gets closer and closer to the tomb, all of a sudden she recognizes there are no soldiers. And then she recognizes that the tomb, the stone is rolled away. And now here's your first thought. What have they done with him? I mean, I know that they hated him, 
but they won't even let him like die peacefully? Why in the world? Because see, nobody's thinking resurrection. Nobody's thinking he's risen. It's what are they doing with him? And so she goes and says this. Uh, she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So Mary stood weeping outside of the tomb. Now, there were, it wasn't just Mary by herself. In the other accounts, it says there was other women there. So but in this scene in John, it says that she's there by herself. And I'm wondering if she stood there in shock of what was going on. And the other ladies went back to go tell all the disciples, his body is gone. Did that make sense? Are you with me? And so the so end goes on. And she stood uh, and, and she wept and stood looking into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white. See, if the other ladies would have just chilled for just a moment, they too could have saw angels. You know, sometimes we just run around in life and we never take the moment to sit at Jesus' feet. See, Mary, when Jesus was alive, learned this lesson. Sit at his feet and be patient. Because as I listen to him, I'll get to see his glory. And even in his death, what did she do? She waited. And as she waited by the tomb, the leather ladies left. She looks in there are these two angels in the white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at his head and one at the feet. And I think that is just profound. And it sounds like, okay, where would you stand? Well, it's not arm to arm, it's head and toe. Did that make sense? Why? I think this is just special towards Mary. Because why? You're supposed to anoint the head and she anointed the feet. So there's, a, there's, there's an angel at the head and at the feet of Jesus. She looks at it uh, at, uh, and, okay, yeah, verse 13. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Now, just real quick, it's, it's not nowadays woman, okay? It's like, it's like an okay thing. Like, hey, woman, like, you know, it's like a respectful call to her. Does that make sense? Not like, woman, what are you doing? Like that? Make sure we're all they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. So frightened, she bowed her face to the ground. Where do we find Mary always? On the ground. Bowed her face to the ground, and then said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, once again, <laughs> woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing, uh, uh, supposing him to be the gardener, because yes. <laughs> I, I just, I, could have been anybody. Could have been of the gardener. And by the way, this is just for you know, weird thoughts. Have you ever seen the tombs around in like, and in Israel and stuff like that? I don't know what they're gardening. The rocks? <laughs> 
Like honestly, like I sit back and there's dirt and there's all this stuff and I'm like, what are you actually? Anyways, <laughs> it's that one plant. Plant side. So I'll look at Supposing to be the gardener, she says to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. I love Mary's heart on this. I don't care if he's like a 160-pound man. I will carry him over my shoulder and do what I have to do to honor and respect him. Did that make sense? Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means uh, teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And now here's where we get to come in. Mary had this cool, intimate relationship with God at his feet, and then she gets to see him resurrected, um, which by the way, by all accounts, you would not take, like, like, like when we have these accounts in the scriptures, it's a woman saying it. And that was not going to be okay because they did not take uh, the word of a woman at all. So for it even to be in the scriptures as historical fact that the woman said it first, that was actually taking a step of faith. Did you guys know that? Like for it to actually be credible, they would have actually had to put like a male's name or something like that. But they didn't because they wanted to make sure that the accounts were exact. And so Mary got to have this intimate moment uh, with them, uh, with God, with Jesus, her Lord. And then she ran back and she tells the disciples, the group of men. And she goes back and she, so she ran, she went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, uh, the one whom Jesus loved, which is John. And he said to them, uh, told them what had taken place and that Jesus was no longer in the tomb. So Peter went out with other disciples uh, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running. Ooh. Running together. But the other disciple outran Peter. Now why did we have to put that? <laughs> like, was it a race? <laughs> all I read when that happens, and maybe that's why I like Peter so much, all it says is Peter was chubby. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I said to Peter, you know? Like, he outran Peter because that was an important part, I guess. And he reached the tomb first. And stooping uh, to look in, he saw the linen clothes laying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes laying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Now this is incredible. Why are we even saying this? Because it was the account of what actually took place. He's trying to show you. I have a first eyewitness account. When I looked into the tomb, the clothes were laying there. And the face cloth, the napkin, the thing that was over his face, is literally, it is folded easily separated from it. Now, if they were grave robbers... If they were going to go in and they knocked out the Roman guards outside and they moved the two-ton stone and they ran in and grabbed the body, why would they take the time to just make everything nice and neat? Does this make sense? Like, look, if you're going to go steal something, it doesn't matter what you, you don't You don't try to clean up afterwards. You know, you don't break the window and my bad job, let me clean this up before I leave. But thanks for all your stuff. Are you guys with me on this one? 
Like you gotta get that. So he's sitting there saying, I read his account. The clothes are laying there, and then the napkin is somewhere else, and it's folded up neatly. Somebody has been here. Uh, uh, in his place. And then the other side was going to read the tomb first. Went, also went in, and they saw and then believed. You belong before you believe. Okay? And watch the other sermons. Okay. <laughs> For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. What did they do? They just went back home. I'm sorry. But if somebody that I loved and I cared about went missing, no stone is going to be unturned to find out. But what did they do? They went back home. Why am I giving you guys this story to get this account? A, you already know it. But B, we need to have takeaways. I have a question for you. Are you married? Martha. Are you the disciples just sitting at home, knowing that Jesus has risen from the grave, but still just sitting at home? Are you Mary, sitting at the face of Jesus, or sitting at the feet of Jesus, wanting to know more about him, wanting to do the things? Or maybe you're Martha, who you're sitting around and you're just doing things, not knowing why you're doing them, but you're just doing things because it's the traditional way of doing them. The question becomes, are you ready to live out the kingdom the way that the kingdom is supposed to live out? If we firmly believe what has happened on this day, then there should be a joyous roar, not just today, but every day from now on, that God has risen, death has been beaten, there is no longer anything in life that will satisfy except for him. We've got to get to that place where we recognize, I'm not just going to be a Martha. I'm not just going to be a Mary. I'm not just going to be a disciple that just believes and does nothing. I'm going to be all three. Why? Because that's what my God has called me to do. I'm going to go when he tells me to go. I'm going to serve when he tells me to serve. I'm going to sit at his feet because I need to know him more and be more intimate with him. And when Bush comes to shove and I need to rest, I'm going to go home. What is home? Home is where family is. And I need to surround myself with family because that's how I get stronger and that's how I get refilled and that's how I get built up in the kingdom of God. I want us to get to a place this morning where we don't just say, yay, he's risen and then walk away and tomorrow live the exact same life. We need to get to a place today where we rise up and we live out a risen king on a daily basis. Amen? Amen. Yeah. So, man, you can come up because this is what we're going to do. We are going to praise him the way that he deserves to be praised this morning. And here's what I would, this is what I would love from you guys this morning. Let's actually, like, declare these songs that we're about to sing. Whether you know them or not, whether you sound like a beautiful angel or a dying cow, it does not matter. What matters is what you're speaking, what you're saying. Because here, here's how it works. Ready? The sun is rising. The sun is rising. It's the third day. And the tomb is empty. And you get to make a decision today. Where do you stand with God? I didn't ask if you believed or not. That's not the question. Because you're a Christian and you're sitting here this morning. Are you ready to move forward with God? 
Because there's got to be more to this life than just working for a paycheck and being nice to people. There's got to be something more. And that more comes with him walking out of the tomb. And that more comes with you walking out of your grave as well. Saying, I am alive in him today because he is alive today. Amen? So let's pray, let's sing, and let's see what God would do. As we're singing uh, this first song, we're going to be passing out communion. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. As we're passing out communion, I'm not going to come back on stage and we're going to take it all together. Here's what I'd like to do. If you have family here today, take communion with your family. Pray together. Okay? You make sure it's your own, your little time. Did that make sense? Pray together. Do your family thing. Why? Because family is important. And last, join in when you're done. Take it by yourself. If you need to know what it is, I'm sure you all do, but it's my diligence to make sure that you know what it is. The bread represents the body that was broken for him on the cross, or broken by him on the cross. The grape juice is the blood that atones for our sins. As you take it, Remember who he is. And then remember what you're supposed to do in your life. Amen? So, Father, you have risen. You have beaten the power of death. And I say thank you and I love you, Father. And I pray that everybody in here will be able to say the exact same thing. And, God, I pray, God, that we don't just pick somebody to be. I pray that we don't just say, I want to be a disciple, I want to be Mary, or I want to be Martha, God. I pray that we are all of them combined. I pray, Father God, that we serve when we need to serve, Father God. I pray that we would sit at your feet when we need to sit at your feet, God. I pray that we can surround ourselves with family and be lifted up uh, together. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you.